Tonight we're going to be in 2 Timothy, chapter 2 tonight. Am I right with that? Okay. All right. It's been a good week, good weather. Thank the Lord for all of his many mercies and benefits to us. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2. As Paul continues to talk to his son in the Lord, uh, Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And certainly that is, in, that is uh, encouragement that every one of us who are in Christ Jesus ought to receive. Be strong in his grace, not not my strength, but his grace. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Now what are those things? He's talking about the doctrines, the teachings that you've heard from him. And that among many witnesses. At the time, there were many people that heard Paul teach. And so those things that you've heard from me, that the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now, this scripture was on my mind heavy when I first came out here to pastor, which was uh, 1971. And then in 72, of course, I got here in October, sometime in October. And so they were doing everything that Southern Baptist churches were doing. Every fall, I think school started in September in those days, I don't know. But anyway, before school started, and I don't know, I think Southern Baptist churches still do it, maybe the independents do. They, they elect teachers and officers for the coming year. And I saw it done where I was raised. When you have those graded Sunday schools, then you have to have a teacher for each class. Now, look what Paul said. He said, the things that thou hast heard among, from me, among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful. And the word is anthropos, it's... Women can teach in the capacity that God allows them to teach. So this is not rule out women. So faithful men and women teaching in their capacity who shall be able to teach others also. But we have a problem. When you expand, you get in a host of people from a bus route, Bribing people on bus routes, and that goes on all over. Or having big meetings and people coming in for various reasons. And you've got a, an influx of lots of people. And they've all got young kids or kids of various ages. So then the, the push is on to have a graded Sunday school. To have a Sunday school class for each age. And they would try to run it like schools do, along the same thing, the, the, you know, the same ages. 
those groups. Now, it still goes on. But I couldn't wait to stop it. Because there's, I, I mean, I saw what people did. I heard them. I know what they did. They could tell me they didn't, but they're going to lie when they do it. Because I know good and well what they did. You, you elect a Sunday school superintendent. Oh, I don't want to do it. Yeah, well, you need to do that because you can help the church out doing it. All right, I'll do it. Sunday school superintendent. Now it's up to him to get all the teachers for all the different classes. And he goes, in, hey, you want to teach a class? No, I haven't been saved in just three weeks. Oh, that's all right. We'll give you a, a quarterly. You don't need to know anything. Now, I've heard it with my own ears. I know for a fact it's done. It's done all over right now. Paul said, commit these things to faithful men and women who shall be able to teach others also. Teach them the doctrines of the word of God. Now, say, well, what do you do if you've got a bunch of different people, different ages? You combine your classes just like you do your services. You don't go out, get your students, and then go out and recruit a teacher. That is anti-scriptural. There's nothing right about that. I believe some people are given a gift of God to be able to teach. But you get a teacher who gets his class or her class together. If they're truly a teacher, that's what happens. It may not be much of a class. It may just be two or three. But I mean, didn't Jesus say where two or three gather in my name? There will I be with them also. So we're not talking about numbers. We don't recruit teachers. We don't recruit preachers. And I've heard that done a lot. And there's lots of problems. When you start calling somebody to preach, buddy, you've got a load of troubles. You've got troubles on yourself, but you've got troubles on that one and whoever comes under his ministry. We are not capable of recruiting teachers and preachers and or preachers or missionaries. I've heard people say, oh, well, he's got a good, he's got a, a gift of gab. He can talk. He'd make a good preacher. You don't have that information. Neither do I. Only God has that. Anyway, so he says to Timothy, Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, all three of Paul uses that military terminology. You've got several, several places. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, they, they give you the... Uh, the, recruit, the recruiting posters and the recruiting advertisements. Uh, be all that you can be. And that, that's army, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Uncle Sam looking for a few good men. That's Marines, I think. And it's this and... Uh, Join the Navy and see the world. Well, some of that's true. 
But I, I saw a lot of the world in a boiler room. <laughs> Eight decks down from the hangar deck. <laughs> so endure hardness. If you're in the military, you're going to have to, if you do anything at all, you're going to have to endure hardness. It's, so, well, it's hard. And he said, endure it. If you're going to serve the Lord, it's going to be hard. Endure it as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, no man that warreth, that means goes to war, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, I have heard that verse misused so many times. Oh, if you're if you're called to preach, you can't you can't try to hold a job. I'm I'm telling you what I have heard. I heard I heard a missionary at, at a conference one time get up and say, "We can't get ourselves in, in affairs, uh, tied up entangled with affairs of this life, and it's an act it's an act of non faith for you to have a life insurance policy." I'll name the missionary that did it right over the spring conference. Wait a minute, you idiot. I don't have a life insurance policy saying that I'm not going to die. I'm, I've got a life insurance policy knowing that I am going to die, and it's my, my job to see to it that my wife and family is taken care of if I croak. And that's not an act of non-faith. And no one said, you can't, can't own a house and be a preacher. Really? And then he bought a house. I could take you to the house he bought. Now, what's, it, what's Paul talking about? No man that warreth entangleth himself in, with the affairs of this life. Uh, let's see. Look at Acts 18 real quick. Just to show you what I'm talking about. Acts 18. <clears throat> Verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, that's job, he abode with them and wrought and worked, for by their occupation they were tent makers. Now there's Paul working in his craft with others as a tent maker. Now look at uh, chapter 20. Verse 34, 33. Now, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. I haven't tried to get what you've got. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities. And to them that were with me, I have showed you all things how that so laboring, 
You ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. I said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So there's Paul working, not only to take care of his own necessities, but also those that are with him. Uh, we can look at uh, 1 Corinthians. I'm doing, this will be the last one. I got more of them. 1 Corinthians 4. Verse 11, he says, Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it. Now, I got more scripture I could give you there on Paul working. Paul definitely worked. So he's not telling Timothy that he can't work. What he's saying is, don't launch out and try to become an entrepreneur. Try to become rich. Try to become independently wealthy. You got to work to provide. If a man doesn't provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel, having denied the faith. That's what the Bible says. So any man that doesn't work and provide for his own, he's worse than an unbeliever. Amen. He's denying the faith. Well, this very important thing. So Paul is definitely not, and, and I'll tell you what, there's been men that I've known of that have quit good jobs and let their families practically starve to death. So our oh, Lord didn't call me to work, he called me to preach. I've taken food to their families. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, one preacher would tell a joke about him, tell a whole lot of things about him. I don't know whether it's true or not, but said he's really struggling, little church down West Kentucky. And since these guys get in the church, they can't support them. They don't have the money to support them. And they determine we're going to live off the Lord. We're going to live off the word of God. And then they starve the families to death. This is an embarrassment and a shame to the church. And they can't help it. Uh, that's all the church has got. So anyway, they said he was having a real rough time. Practically couldn't buy groceries and all that. And they went to him and said, uh, Brother, and he wanted to insist that he, he wasn't called to work. He's called to preach. And uh, said, we, we've come to talk to you about possibly you, you getting a job. And he said, possibly getting a job, yeah. He said, well, brethren, let's pray. He said, Lord, get mama a job. <laughs> Now, whether that's true or not, they tell that on it. But anyway. And that's, there's been a lot of them like that. Uh, I took a carload of groceries one man one time up in the mountains. And he had had a good job at Avon. A <laughs> government job. And he quit it. The former pastor here talked him into quitting it. And went up, went up in uh, Clay County. I mean, way back up there. And I heard about it. And I got, got a carload of groceries together. And we went, me and Wayne Hart went up there. Like never found him. Finally found him in an old house he's living in, had no electricity. Uh, and he was out hunting. 
he had one one shotgun shell, an old double barrel shotgun, out looking for to shoot a groundhog because they was eating bread and water gravy. That's all they had. And they had a bunch of little kids too. One of them had a hole in his heart, sick. It was just sad. And I had a whole garload of groceries, but I mean, you know, I tried to get him some more help too, but he didn't, he, he didn't like that. He, he resented me doing that. But anyway, uh, but that's not what Paul's saying here. He said, just don't become a businessman. Keep your, eyes, your sights set on what you're doing. Uh, verse 5, and if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Now the word masteries and the word crowned is the same word. Stephen or Stephanos. That's what Stephen means is a crown. That's what the word means, the name means. And so a crown, if he's striving for a if he's trying to win a crown, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. You got to do it according to the to the rules, according to the law. Well, everything that we do, we've got to do it according to God's law. We've got to do it according to His Word. I mean, I know it's on my mind. People, all oh, you get off of that. I ain't, I'll get off of it when I get ready. Uh, we're going to have a revival meeting. Well, if you're going to have one, you better study the scriptures and find out how to have one. The Bible's very plain. The Bible is our only rule of faith and practice. And that's how we do it. And the truth of the matter is, you can't revive lost people. Revival only works with God's people. And you can only have uh, saved people being revived, and when they get revived, do you know what they will do? They will get back into the Word of God. Amen. You check Josiah's, Nehemiah's, you check all the revivals that we see in the Old Testament. Pentecost was not a revival. Pentecost was a pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the church that Jesus built, and that church only, never another kind in all the history of the world received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and no individual ever received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Charles Stanley. That was one time, and it never was repeated. You could pray for it from now on, and it'll never happen again. Anyway, did I get that in? Yeah. I wanted to emphasize. Did I emphasize that? Okay, all right. All right. The husbandman, now this, this seems to be a little out of place, but it's not. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. The husbandman is a farmer, tender, uh, orchard, fields, whatever he's Grows things. Uh, he's talking to Timothy about being faithful and what to do in the Lord's service. Enduring hardness and all of that. He's got to do this in order to partake of the, of the fruit. He's got to be there. 
He's got to be there with it, doing it. That's what it's talking about. Consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Jesus Christ, he's received of it. He's there. He did it. He worked. He suffered. And he was raised. Now he's glorified. And he said, wherein I suffer trouble. Paul is suffering trouble. Always from his, the beginning of his ministry on, he suffered trouble. As an evildoer, he was not an evildoer. You know, lots of times I've heard people talk about stuff as they suffered, but I was suffering for the Lord. I heard a guy talking about going to prison one time. Well, the Lord, the Lord had a purpose for me going to prison. Uh, weren't you in prison for theft? You can't claim the Lord had that for a purpose. Now you may you may take that and use it, but you can't say the Lord purposed that for me, for me to be a thief and then to get sent up because I'm a thief. That's not for the glory of God. Paul was in prison. As an evildoer, but he wasn't an evildoer. Just as Christ died on the cross as a capital criminal, but he wasn't. All right, so. He, he said, I, I suffer as an evildoer, even unto bonds, handcuffs, ropes. I'm tied up. I don't have freedom. Oh, but the word of God is not bound. <laughs> the word of God is still just as free as it ever was. Amen. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, Let's analyze that verse a little bit. People get, get upset when they hear about the elect. That uh, Tennessee Temple uh, Bible College and Seminary down Chattanooga, they wouldn't even let you say the word predestination, election predestination in their hallways. Huh. They said it was back then. I want to see that way or now. What it was, it was then. Uh, well, see, when you make your decision for Christ, that's when he elects you. No. No, that's, that's how they try to explain it. But no, look here. I endure all things for the elect's sakes that they may also obtain. They're, they're elect, called the elect before they ever got saved. For they ever obtained salvation. And of course, that was with in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Got everything that goes with it right there. So, it is a faithful saying. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Of course, Romans, he said, 6th chapter, he said the same thing. 
if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now the first part of that, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. I think you can un- write this down as understood. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. That's not just general suffering. Lots of times people suffer lots of things, and much of it because of their own wicked doings. It's not talking about that. If we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. Now, I wonder when, is, wonder when that would be. Now, wait, wait, let's, let's just look at this. When in the world would that be? What would Paul be talking about here? I know all these brethren say that there is no millennial reign, and all them scriptures are just symbolic. It don't really mean what they say that mean anything. I know all that, yeah. But I want to ask you, if we shall reign with him, is that in the eternal ages? Where we are in the eternal ages, there won't be anybody to reign over. When and where will there be anybody for the Lord and his faithful ones to reign with him? Ah, the millennial reign. Because there will be far more people than saved people here on earth during the millennial reign. And doesn't the Bible say he'll rule them with a rod of iron? And now he says if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. R-E-I-G-N. That's rule like like, uh, king and prince. So, man, (laughs) I'll tell you what. It's... It's very enlightening to take this word for word. Anyway, if we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, he says the same thing in Matthew 10. Does this mean that you can lose your salvation? No. No, we, we can't go against revealed truth. But what does this mean? If we deny him, he will also deny us. Well, uh Apostle Peter denied the Lord. But as soon as he did it, what, what happened? He wept bitterly. And he repented. He didn't deny him and keep on denying him. And I think that's what he's talking about. So, now that's not saying it's okay to deny him in any way, shape, or form. But we, we must not deny him I was saved just before I turned nine years old. That's a long time ago. That's over 70 years ago. And I've never denied the Lord. My actions have at times, but I've never denied the Lord. I've never turned on him. I thank God for that. Anyway, if we believe not, well, now, wait a minute. Now, don't take that out of its context. We've got to keep that right in its context. And what is context here? Well, if we suffer with him, we shall reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we believe not, if we don't believe that, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. 
Christ's deniers are not going to enter into heaven. And if somebody doesn't believe that, God cannot deny himself. And if he denied himself, he'd have to do that to do that. Of these things, put them in remembrance. He says that several times now, these pastoral epistles. Put them in remembrance. Well, it has to be remembrance because they've been told it before. Paul has told them before. And others, charging them before the Lord. That they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Be careful what kind of arguments we get into. I think we ought to earnestly contend for the faith, as the Bible says. But some of these arguments we can get into, they don't build up anybody. They just subvert, turn under the faith of some. Just get them discouraged. If y'all arguing that much over one word there, what, what am I going to do? I don't know. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. So that's what he's talking about. But he says, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now the words for rightly dividing. Ortho Timeo. Those Greek words, two words. Ortho we use on orthodox, straight. Right, straight. And Timio is cutting. Straight line cutting. Well, the, the people that are called, that they're hyper dispensationalist, they've got, they've got a dispensation for everything, like, kind of like Camelites. Everybody was saved at a different time or a different way. That's what hyper dispensations are. And they got a hold of that straight cut. And here's a prayer of the hyper dispensations. Lord, help us to cut up the word of God. And that's what they were doing. It's cutting it up. No, straight cut. You got real expensive bolts of cloth here. And you need every inch of it that you've got. What kind of a cut do you want to make on that? Crooked or straight? You want it to be as straight as possible. If you can get a machine to cut it, you want it perfect. And that's what we want with the word of God. We don't want any crooked dividing, crooked cutting of the word of God. It must be Straight, it must be right, correct according to God. Does that clear that up? Okay. But contrastly, shun profane and vain babblings, 
for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Profane is unholy, and vain, empty, babblings. Oh. We just saw a flick video of Rod Parsley and some kind of big Pentecostal meeting. And he had a guy in a three-piece suit and tie standing down before him. And he puts the mic in his face and he says, Come on, brother, let the Holy Spirit language come out. And he's, Daddy, how many And boy, then he takes, Parsley takes off running across in front of that Thousands of people, thousands of people gather for that. And you think if somebody got up there and preached the whole counsel of the word of God that they would stay? They would either throw him out on a rail or they, or they would leave themselves. Anyway, I call that profane and vain babblings, don't you? It definitely was babbling. You know where that babbling comes from? Babylon. The Tower of Babel. Confusion. That's where that word comes from. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. And you got those people up there saying they're talking in tongues, and they nor anybody else knows what they're talking about. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. He said it'd be like a, 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 a just a, a confused sound. Well, I've done that, sister, done that for me before. Give me a beautiful. C chord on the piano. Beautiful, harmonious, beautiful chord. Now go like that, all of them. You couldn't make, it, was, it, it hurt your ears. It hurt your mind. You, you can't tell anything out of it. But I mean, you've got the chords, they harmonize, they go right. And that's what our language is supposed to be correct. That we, we enunciate the scriptures as they're written. Well, and these profane and vain babblings, and their word will eat as doth a canker. Now that word canker in the Greek, gangrenos, gangrene. You get gangrene in your foot, it's got to come off. They can't save it. And if it doesn't come off, then the leg's got to come off. And if that doesn't come off, you're gone. Gangrene cannot be saved. And these kinds of words eat like a canker, like gangrene. They are destructive. So we want to hear something spiritual. Buddy, you're hearing it right now. Amen. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus mentioned in 1 Timothy 1. Who concerning the truth have erred. And when you see E-R-R, that's err. Look at the dictionary. You see, E-R-R-O-R, that's error. This is not erred, it's er. That's the proper pronunciation of it. 
who concerning the truth have erred. They've made a big mistake. They've gone wrong. Saying that the resurrection is past already. Well, and overthrow the faith of some. What if somebody tells you that, now I know the resurrection of Jesus Christ is past. But I don't know about any other resurrection. What if somebody comes and says, you missed the resurrection. <laughs> Boy, that's got a lot of problems in it for me. I don't intend to miss the resurrection. If I miss the resurrection, that means I'm going to hit that oven at the end of the millennial. That's bad news for me. So they're saying the resurrection is past already. And overthrow the faith of some. See, people haven't been taught. But now, now folks in that day had not had what we've all had. There's not a person hearing or going to hear what I say tonight that hasn't had access to a complete Bible in their own language. They didn't have all that. The Word of God was not even completed until, what, some 30 years later than this. Then I've heard the holiness with all of their Pentecostal tongues and miracles and healings and all of that. And I tell them what the Bible says. I don't care what the thing says. Well, that's when I shake the dust of my feet off. I know what you are. You a devil. That's what you are. You don't care what God's word says and claim to be a Christian. You're not a Christian. He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not because you're not of God. Amen. Anyway, and overthrow the faith of some, but nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. <laughs> Having this seal, mark it down. The Lord knoweth them that are his. That's a lot of comfort right there, I think. And let everyone on the other side that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, first it tells me that everyone naming the name of Christ can possibly be involved in iniquity. But number two, it tells me we've got an obligation to depart from it if we name Christ. Don't name Christ... And then cuss him. Don't name Christ and refuse to obey him. Don't name Christ and refuse to honor him through his kind of church. It's done all over now. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet or suitable for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Need to get it going, get it straightened out. Flee also, several times he tells, tells us to flee, Run from youthful lust. 
that's the young Timothy, and follow righteousness and faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender stripes. Foolish questions. I call it a foolish question getting into getting into argument about how old Adam was when he sinned. I know he wasn't a baby. I know he was an adult. How long had he been an adult when he sinned? I do not know. And the Bible does not say anywhere. So you know what? I'm not going to spend any time trying to figure that out. Don't try to figure out things that you can't figure out. Where'd God come from? He's the great I am. How has God never had a, a beginning? I can't answer that. And a thousand men couldn't answer that. I don't know that we'll ever answer that, answer that when we're in, in eternity with the Lord. I don't know that we'll ever know that. But I know he is. I know he is eternal. eternal. Now, verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men as in the italics. That means to all people. Apt to teach and patient. <clears throat> I used to say asking me to teach something is like saying sick them to a dog. Glad to. And I've been asked to teach a lot. You know, through the years I have been. I don't know why, but I have been. I think I do. I am apt to teach. And that's what a, what a servant of God, a, a minister of God is to do, is to be. Patient. And I'll tell you what, if, if the Lord hadn't been patient with me, I mean, it took me a long time to learn a lot of stuff. I never will forget, I was on the fire department, Lexington Fire Department, out at number eight station, riding engine eight. There was a guy there, a lieutenant, that was working for, under, and he was a Campbellite, Christian denomination. And he started talking something about the day of Pentecost. Trying to prove something. Of course, Acts 2.38, you know, that came on there, you know. And I knew he was wrong. And I ran and got my Bible. And I could not find where the day of Pentecost was. You think I wasn't ashamed of myself? I was. And I determined that ain't going to happen again. So, patient? I needed patience for me. And in meekness, not acting like you're God's the catch me out. 
God never had anybody like me before. I've done it all, buddy. I'm great. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do when I die. <laughs> That's what Job told his friends. Will wisdom die with you? <laughs> and meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure, that's perhaps, will give them repentance. Oh, there comes some patience. I can't give them repentance. I can't effect repentance. I can't think of any smart arguments enough to get them to repent. Repentance comes from God. To the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. They're in a trap. They don't even know it. And your desire for them as you teach them, try to instruct them, is that God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and they'll get out of that trap and be God's free man. <laughs>